Hello, this is Yarrow, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Michael Carruth. Hello, this is Yarrow Stark, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest on the line with me is Mike Carruth, who came to me through a connection with my blog mastermind program. He's an original student from by the looks of things, the very, very first intake, uh, Mike. So, But today, Mike is in charge of a network of BMX sites, which he's making a full-time income from, about $80,000 uh, a year, which he's uh, grown when he, he took over the sites. He acquired them from about 45000 to 80000 So we're going to hear about how he makes money and how this whole story came about, how he grew the sites and how he took them over. And Mike's actually got a a very long background in the world of BMX. He was, uh, he's given me a bit of a preamble to, to the interview. And I, I, I know that uh, at 14, he was basically left school to become a BMX photographer, which sounds, and writer, which sounds like a 14 year old kid's dream, to be honest, Mike. So uh, thank you for joining me on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Yaro. It's great to be here. And uh, I've been a longtime fan of the podcast. And uh, it's really a dream come true, dream realized to, uh, to be with you today. Awesome. So um, I got the summary right in terms of the, the sites you're in charge of now, and, and that's that's pretty much your main focus in terms of an online business. Am I right? It is, yeah. It, the only um, the only thing I'll, I'll clarify is that, that when I took over the the websites, which which started in the spring of 2008, um, we were actually uh, took I took the sites over at an income level of forty five hundred dollars a year, and then have have grown it to eighty thousand in that time. Okay, big difference. <laughs> well, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything. But, well, you know, yeah. I just want to get the numbers right. Very true. So yeah, but you know, it's uh, it's been it's been a really great seven years um, of doing it, and uh, just about seven years now. And uh, like you said, I, I did start um, as a photographer and writer um, first as a BMX racer. You know, um, from the from the age of twelve, and then at fourteen, I got into uh, the writing and, and photography aspect of it. I always really admired the magazines that were out at the time and and just you know wanted to do that and wanted to model those guys you know and and so my mother was very uh encouraging and said you know hey then go for it you should, you know if you want to do it do it and uh, and I did yeah that's that's pretty supportive parent i have to say like I, you know i i played video games at 14 and i doubt i would have been allowed to drop out of school to you know pursue a professional <laughs> video game career of any sort so um yeah <laughs> but, no doubt <clears throat> so i i'd i'd like to go back in time of course and learn in particular how you grew the income from these sites because it, it sounds like this is your case of really ticking all the boxes in the sense that you're making enough money that you are living off the websites but you're doing it in the subject that you really have had a lifelong passion in and that's it's difficult to combine that like most people don't get to work with the subject they love and do it all the time and make enough money to live off so you've kind of ticked all those boxes and that's that's rare so i think it'd yeah. be great to kind of explore how how you got to that point so sure. can you take us back so you, you're you're 12 years old and you're racing bmx's you you get really involved with the community i assume and then you tell your mom you want to leave school to like pursue this because you already had something going that you, you had a, like a job happening where you're getting paid to write or do photography yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I was a freelancer. Um, so I would, you know, the magazines uh, would pay me, uh, pay my expenses, then pay me a little bit of, you know, stipend, uh, you know, a little bit on top of the expenses to go to the various races. So I was, you know, flying to places like, you know, Dayton, Ohio and Memphis and Oklahoma City and stuff like that at, you know, at, at age 14, which you couldn't really do today. But I did, you know, in some cases fly alone to those locations at, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, so it's kind of crazy to check in a hotel hotel and take a cab from the airport and stuff. Can't imagine, you know, my 15-year-old doing that today. So uh, it's crazy. But, uh, but yes. And so then, you know, um, you know, worked as a freelancer for a couple of years. You know, I left school. As I said, it was kind of in the way. I really was never very good in school. Um, and in fact, spent all of eighth grade in special education where they told me that, uh, you know, I wasn't, um, or I actually told my mother that I wasn't really a viable student. And, you know, being a big strapping lad, I should, uh, you know, learn to work with my hands and, <laughs> and sort of, you know, get to be a, a manual labor uh, type of career Ouch. versus something with my head. Yeah, I know. It's tough, <laughs> now, tough to hear that. Were they aware that you were actually getting paid to do something creative that wasn't manual labor <laughs> That's well at that point at the point where they said that that was eighth grade i wasn't quite in you know in that business you know in the business yet right. i was i was aspiring to be there and then just uh in the summer of 1980 um and you know early 1981 thereabouts i started to to write and to to get published and and so that's when it, it, it kind of hit me that I could leave school where I really wasn't getting a lot of value anyway and, uh, and do this full time. And so that led me in 1985 to getting a staff position at a magazine in Los Angeles and moving out there. And, um, you know, and, and that was my career for the next few years. And so in 1988, um, I mean, I know we're skipping over lots of, you know, chunks of years, but, uh, you know, this was all spent in the BMX industry, the bicycle industry. And, um, you know, th that, Industry pretty much had a uh, you know kind of a, a terrible uh, downturn in 1988, 18, 1989, with the advent of video games and some of the things that we see today, where kids are still, you know, they're not riding bikes anymore today, and that's a problem we'll talk about a little later. But uh, you know, so I got out of the industry at that point and uh, and started another business. I think 1988 would have been when I was playing video games as a nine-year-old. So <laughs> that makes complete see? sense. Nintendo, it's their fault. <laughs> yep. Okay, so what, exactly. so what happened next? So what happened next is that um, I, I did a little time, uh, time working over at uh, an ad agency in Taipei, Taiwan, and started to learn a little about the advertising business. I was very interested in it because as a you know as a writer and photographer, I you know I had at least two of the three skills to actually produce my own advertising you know for clients. So I didn't have the graphic design skills at that point, and I never was really um, you know a very good artist. I couldn't you know I didn't have illustration skills or even production skills. To actually, you know, lay out key line and paste up as they did back then, but this was just as electronic uh, production tools were coming into it. So I started to learn some of those very early uh, production skills, you know, with Quark Express and Adobe Illustrator. Actually, it was PageMaker uh, first for me as far as a page makeup. Um, application. So um, those were some of the skills that I brought back to Chicago with me in 1991, and we started a. Um, a friend of mine and I, who, my friend was a sales guy and I was more of the creative side. We started a, a, an, age, an ad agency called the Creative Alliance. And it was a, um, 
what would today be called a virtual agency. We, we put together a book of freelancers. We, we categorized them. We had these big binders on a shelf. And uh, you know, whenever we had a project come in, we, we poured through the binders and we put together a team and you know, we attacked the project. And, and that was very cool. You know, that it, worked, it worked well for the time. Um, and then uh, not long after that, we actually bought a computer, which was a huge uh, investment at the time. And uh, we started having these uh, Saturday morning 10 a.m. jam sessions where people would come in and everyone would teach what they know. No one knew everything at that point, but, but everyone knew something. So we put together these little jam sessions and everyone taught what they knew for 20 minutes. And that led to a kind of a they told two friends scenario happening. And friends of those people would call us and say, hey, when are you doing your next Macintosh seminar? And uh, ultimately, in May of um, 1992, that led to the founding of a, a new company called Mac University, where we actually you know, took uh, as a business to, to, to teach people how to do this. And, uh, and that was a business that you know, I ran for um, 10 years. And, um, and then we changed the name and changed the direction a little bit from, Mac, from Macintosh only into you know, PC and some Unix and stuff like that. And uh, that was Digital Bootcamp was the name of that business. And uh, so we continued on to, you know, to, to do that and became very successful at, uh, at doing that type of training. And I ultimately sold the business in 2007. And um, it's still you know, operating today. And um, you know, it, it's, it's a great, it, was a great, it was a great 15 years, but I was ready to move on from training was the point and do something else. Right. I was going to ask, it's, it's, if you left the business, I'm assuming you had had enough, as I can imagine you might have after 15 years. Yeah. Did you have a, a plan going forward after that, or are you just going to see what happened next? Well, I had a I had a book or a database, if you will, of of ideas, and uh, and I had been a, a domain name collector from 1996 on to today. You know, so I've always been very interested in domain names, and I've I've bought and sold you know hundreds of them over the years, and and at any given time have maybe two or three hundred in a portfolio. So so all all those domain names, you know, had an idea attached to them, of course. And so um, I wanted to, to realize some of those ideas. But, you know, life kind of, you know, took, you know like, let's, let's, let's say fate took its, uh, its turn. And I just one day stumbled upon vintagebmx.com, which was where all the old guys that I used to hang out with in the old days and all the old bikes were on display and new people now were in the sport and and the people who were in it back in my day had gotten back into it with their kids now because they were you know in their mid 30s mid 40s and uh, so all the kids were out at the track and uh, and so that that sparked an addiction to posting on the forums and hauling out all the old pictures and you know and, and it was really just great to be back among that group of friends from, from 20 years past. It's funny how you become vintage as you get older like that. <laughs> <laughs> that I know it, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you, you find this site. Now, you just used it as a user, right? You just yeah. participated. And how did the opportunity to potentially become the owner arrive? Well, you know... As I said, I was I was I was searching for the next thing to do, kind of, and uh, and I was I was starting to build out some you know some early st- uh, wireframes and stuff for a startup. And uh, one day, you know, I I just had um, said to the owner of the site at the time, hey, just in passing, really, hey, if you if you ever interested in selling the website, 
you know, let me know. I might be interested in in buying it from you. And uh, and within two weeks of that day, I was I drove to Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I took over the site. And uh, and and I've been back into it. That was uh, March twelfth, two thousand eight. And uh, you know, and I, I'm here. Here I am today. And there was an opportunity just a few months later, seven months later, to purchase the uh, another website called BMXNews.com, which uh, was a perfect domain name for me. I, you know, I, I love that domain name. It's it's it has all the all the things you'd want out of a domain name. And uh, and and it, it it was a site. It was an up, it was an up and running site at the time, but it really didn't have a lot of traffic or a lot of prestige behind it. Um, and I saw the opportunity to really remake that into the marquee, you know, the lead site, and um, and set about it because. You know, my whole thing was in writing and shooting content, and you know, it's it was hard to do that as B, as vintage BMX, but as BMX news, the opportunity to to write and shoot and come up with cool story ideas was unlimited, and mm. I was I was a hundred percent in it. Right, I can see your background being a, a photographer and a writer. You do want to own a content site and not sort of be restricted by maybe a forum with with that word vintage in it as well, especially if you want to reach people who don't want the vintage aspect. But I am curious about the, the taking over of both sites. Uh, you said when you initially acquired them, it was $4,500 a year in total yeah. revenue. So yeah. I'm assuming okay, the acquisition price would have not been a ton of money. You would have been able to easily get a, a deal done there. Um, did you know? Were you thinking, I'm going to take this over and turn it into my full-time income or is this sort of you know what i love the subject i'm just gonna i want to be in charge and i'm going yeah. to buy them yeah that was it was more the latter i you know i didn't i knew you know from from days gone by that you know you didn't really make uh you know a um you didn't make a, a huge income from from the bm the sport of bmx really and you really did it for the love of the game and uh if you could do it for the love of the game and also sort of eke out an existence then you were doing really well um so you know and i, I didn't have any designs on you know on, on setting the world on fire as far as revenue back then um and uh and so but i did you know i did have a vision and and even from the time that i was 14 you know i always wanted to own a BMX magazine, you know, and that was the big thing in the, in you know back in the eighties was were the magazines. Obviously, there was no internet yet, so um, the opportunity to have a what 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 is the modern day version of a magazine, you know, that was super exciting, and uh, the opportunity to use my business skills and the skills that I had in training as well as my old days skills in writing and shooting, bringing all that together was you know mm-hmm. was definitely super exciting. <clears throat> so what? What were the websites? I'm assuming there was a small membership, a little bit of ad revenue coming in. That was the the four thousand five hundred a year. Uh, yep. Was there an email list? And uh, you know, where, where did what were you actually buying? Because people always find this interesting, in the sense yeah. that how do you even determine how much you should pay for that kind of business or, or website? Not I, really a business. I know, and it's true. It, to me, it really was more of a gut feel thing. I did not really, um, you know. If 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 a business person you know were to ask you what well what are you what are you buying you would definitely not have a good business case <laughs> to buy you know to spend that kind of money on on a property like this but um, it was you know we had uh, we had some 
some serious traffic at the time, you know, um, you know, a million page views a month and, um, you know, from all over the world. And, uh, I definitely saw the opportunity there and to speak to a larger audience, um, which I definitely always wanted to do. Um, and then also to get back into the sport as a, you know, as a major player. And, and I definitely liked that idea. And I knew that I had, you know, a lot to offer, um, mm -hmm. because that, uh, that kind of, you know, uh, experience and that mix of, of talents was not present in the, you know, in the sport at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was excited to bring that back. Yeah. Well, a million page views, that's, uh, you know, that's a massive opportunity. You certainly should be making more than four and a half thousand a year off that though. I can see there's some work to be done um, to make that happen. I'd love to talk about yeah. how you grew it, but before we do sure. that, uh, where does blog mastermind fit into this? Because you took my program, but you know, these aren't exactly blogs, I can see how their content sites and their communities, so there's certainly some overlap in concepts, but where does it fit into the picture? Well, for me, one of the things that I, and I took, you know, so Blog Mastermind came around, I joined it on June 25th, 2007. I looked at, I looked up the old email today with the welcome to Blog Mastermind, uh, you know, email. And, right. uh, and so this, you know, if you, you know, in the, in the timeline here, that is bef like a year and a, you know, nine months, 10 months or whatever before I actually acquired these websites. And, uh -huh. um, it was during the time where I was looking for what's next because I hadn't quite sold Digital Bootcamp yet. Um, and, uh, what I took from it really was one of the gems that really helped make all this happen was was one that was gleaned from Blog Mastermind, and it was, you know, the most imp you you had said in one of the lessons, the most important variable when it comes to topic selection is whether you enjoy the subject and whether there is potential to make money from it. So, you know, to me, when it you know a few months later when it came time to make this decision, you know, those are two of the uh, of the variables or two of the components that was like, do I enjoy the subject? Yeah, I could definitely go full on, full tilt into this thing 12 hours a day and be stoked all the way. Um, whether there's a potential to make money from it, you know, looking at the revenue at the time, you know, any sane person would say probably not. But I also knew that there was a lot of un, you know, like untapped potential that wasn't being, you know, that wasn't being uh, explore because the the people who were running these sites prior to my acquisition of them were really doing it more as a hobby and not as a business and so it wasn't really about the money for them and nor is it about the money to me today but it is um, you know it's it's more about it because it's it's a business today versus being just a hobby. Mm -hmm. It's funny this subject matter because uh, I'm not sure if you're aware I purchased miniature motorcycle forums as. One of my investments. Uh, <laughs> um, really, in, I didn't know that. No, it's it's uh, just funny seeing that you happen to own two sites that have two forums about <laughs> bicycles because I had two forums about miniature motorcycles. That being Very said, cool. I wasn't a n nothing to do with that niche. I'd never had a miniature motorcycle. I wasn't interested in it. I was purely an investment strategy. But that's another story, and I've I've told it on my blog. So if people want to hear that, head to Entrepreneur's Journey. Um, Okay, so you took my program before this, and I can see, uh, I am a little curious, did you think about starting a blog at any point in time, though? Was that a part yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yes, I know? did. And I had one for a while, which was called the What If List. And it was really um, during the time that I was going through the course, um, and, you know, I had skipped over large chunks of it and then came back later and, and dove back in. So it was, it was the way that you had 
lay, had it laid out was very, very um, helpful to a guy like me who was running a business and had a family. And you know, it was, it was the epitome of an online education. It was you know at will kind of thing where I could come back and do it as I pleased. Um, and so in that case, you know, I had the the what if list blog. And I, and I was writing, you know, a little bit about it. But I, I really, you know, as a as a journalist, you know, from days past, I really liked the idea of of more of an art, more of a, more of a formal structure to things, more of an article structure uh, versus a more of a conversational mm-hmm. blog structure. Um, and so that was what really, you know, again helped me along to you know to start writing on the BMX News website. I often do feel for n- journalists who've grown up learning to write a certain style that just. <laughs> really doesn't gravitate to people on the internet because <laughs> people like yeah. that conversational tone and that's not journalistic writing. So, uh, right. and yeah, especially with a niche like BMX, you can't, well, you could write journalistic, but you, people are going to be much more interested in you being Mike and talking about yeah. your passion for it naturally. So let's go forward then with uh, the growth of these sites. So what exactly did you do to turn it from four and a half thousand a year to 80,000 plus a year in income? Sure. Well, it, it, you know, it took a few years, you know, definitely. And, uh, one of the first things that I did was to really just start applying a business structure to it so that, uh, you know, the customer service was, you know, was more on point And, you know, um, we, we had a, you know, uh, an organized plan where, you know, here's what you get when you buy, you know, an ad package. Um, we, we, I also took the, the step of taking, um, out of, a CPM and or CPA uh, ad model, you know. So we don't. That's not how we sell today. Um, we started selling just based on tenancy, you know, X amount of dollars a month, flat rate, non-metered, you know, and then we just divide up the traffic by way of you know however many advertisers we have. And so, um, again, we the ecosystem within which we operate is a very small mom and pop business ecosystem. So they, they're not used to hearing things like CPM and, you know, $10 a thousand or whatever, you know, the, the rate would be. So we tried to make it more digestible for them. Um, the other thing that we did was to make it a, just one package and one money gets them all. Um, so you can, you know, if you, one ad investment gets you, um, you know, your ad button, Ad buttons and ad banners on all three websites, um, so that it's network wide and you don't have to choose. And um, and then at that point, we offer two options as far as how you can buy in: uh, just a quarterly option, or a um, or an annual option. And and so we don't do monthly, you know, monthly deals because it uh, it's just with one, as a one man show and maybe with a virtual assistant every now and then, it's very difficult to. You know, to babysit uh, a lot of you know thirty, forty accounts on a monthly basis. You know, credit cards decline and people drop off and stuff like that. So you really don't have time to go in and resell the deal every month. So um, the the quarterly and the annual deal really is uh, it makes it so much easier for all of us mm-hmm. for the for the advertiser and for me. I'm curious. People always ask, how do you determine what to charge for advertising? How did you do it? Well, it started out as a th- we called it the 333, which was three sites, three months for 300 bucks, um, and so it was just a 1,200 a year, you know, uh, buy-in, if you will. Um, now we're 
we've gone, um, you know, the top, the annual campaign is 3,600 for the year. So it's still very, very approachable by, you know, like normal business standards. But, um, you know, it's still hard for some of the, you know, some of the advertisers in our niche to, you know, to bite off. So um, it, it, they, they do that for $900 a quarter or, you know, for the, for the 3,600 a year. And how did you decide how many advertisers you could take? Because Obviously, the more yeah. you have, the less impressions each one gets, right? Right, right. It, yes, and we do sell out on occasion. Um, it's it varies because the the tra- the dynamic of traffic has changed a, um, a lot over the past few years. Because uh, you know, back in '07, I mean '08 rather, '09 uh, and stuff, we didn't really have Facebook and Twitter as uh, as major players in our space. Um, but today, you know, they it's a it is an important part of the ecosystem. So. Um, it changed our traffic, you know, dramatically in terms of we're getting, you know, more visitors but fewer page views, you know, than we used to get. So, so we're getting more, you know, maybe are like a little bit less in terms of page views, but but more visitors. So, um, it, it changed the dynamic a little bit, and, and we had to. We're still, you know, responding to that. We've got a a major redesign coming up this fall, and on both, uh, actually, on all three websites. So, um, that's going to help a lot in terms of uh, you know engagement. Now, have you experimented with any other forms of monetization, or has it just always been dis- displaying banners for a quarterly or an annual fee? The other thing that we do is um, we've we've toyed a little bit with merchandising, you know, logo T-shirts and um, T-shirts of some of my photos from the you know from the races and stuff like that. So that's definitely something we we um, with the with the redesign we're going to do more of. Um, we, you know, we have a small membership on the on the forum website where you know just you know people donate uh, to help keep things rolling, uh, and that definitely helps. Um, and then we also. Um, you know, I do freelance work for some of our advertisers. You know, as uh, as a consultant basis, where um, I don't do work for outside companies like that aren't advertisers, but within our little group, um, you know, I'll do things like you know write press releases and and do special photo sessions and things of that nature. Uh, now, correct if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but this wasn't as simple as putting more banners on your site. Because you already had all this great traffic, and suddenly the money, you know, doubled, tripled, quadrupled. No, like, the, have you been proactively marketing the site to, to build the traffic further? Like, what, what are the keys to make this massive improvement? And bearing in mind, it's quite a number of years too that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I, I, I'm certain that I could have done better had I been more aggressive with it. Um, but I, I didn't want to over, you know, be overly aggressive. Um, with uh, you know, with with commercialization, because in our in our niche, you know, if you commercialize too much, then you're going to see a huge backlash from the you know from the readers from from the users. So, um, you know, really, it's we we didn't want to put. I mean, right now we've we have you know we have ads in certain places, but we you know, we we've held off on doing ads. You know, like in you know like background wrappers and things like that that really. I didn't want it to be a blinking Las Vegas Boulevard of of ad imp- you know of, of ad creatives on there. So the other thing that we did that I, I just want to mention is that um, we also started selling um, sponsorships and special sections. So like uh, we have a you know our our Promax top story is uh, you know is a branded top story that that gets posted every day, and um, you know so one of our awesome you know 
parts manufacturers is the sponsor of that. And uh, a, a company, Dan's Comp, is our um, race coverage sponsor for the year. So they, you know, they've come in and, and stepped up to be the race coverage sponsor and, uh, and some others. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, you just try and, you know, see what happens, you know, and how you can, you know, some other things didn't work out. We tried to do an auction site where we, uh, you know, we put up an auction site and thought maybe that would be awesome for people to be able to sell off their parts. Well, that didn't work at all. You have a lot of the similar ideas I had with the miniature motorcycle site. Like I was thinking I'll add a blog to it to provide content, not just a forum, and I'll uh, test some selling some products using affiliate links and not just you know banner ads and selling directly to, to paying companies. And also I was thinking, yeah, we need to find a way to get people buying and selling a bit more because I had some results with that with previous forums. So it's funny how you try all these things, but the community ends up deciding what works. Yes. Like they really oh, control it all, don't they? And you have to be they careful, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So now you, you have the third site we haven't really mentioned yet. You do have a third site, which is a, it's like a photography site. Is that what? what? Yeah. So it's called, yeah, it's called photos are posted.com and, um, in BMX racing. Um, and it's important to note that we're, we're, we are BMX racing versus freestyle. So BMX racing is an Olympic sport. Now it was since uh, the Beijing Olympics and they went also to the, uh, London Olympics and coming up for Rio. So, but, um, but to say that the, you know, in racing, you know, you have a, um, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Where were we? <laughs> no, you're just sort of I, I saying jumped, um, you have I your other website. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so photos are posted. Um, and so in the racing space, we uh, there's a there's a term called motos are posted, where they actually um, post all you know what what race or what heat race you you know you as a rider are in. So our site is photos are posted, and so it's a uh, when I go to I go to 20 races a year all over the country, um, and uh, and shoot photos and come back with you know three four five hundred pictures per weekend, and I post them up on the website, and um, and that is another one of those monetization opportunities that we tried but ultimately didn't work uh, you know the way we wanted so we just made it free for everybody so I post the images I, I put the logo on them and I put it in a very tasteful way down in the lower left or lower right hand corner and people can freely use those images on social media or even we, we publish them in such a way that you can even make a small print out of them uh, all on us you know not, not uh, and not for any additional funds mm. I really like that because you're you're becoming a permanent part of the community psyche because all the social media with Facebook sharing the photos from the event, it's branded as from you, so you'll be known as the the leading site that the community goes to. And I think that's really important to retain the not just obviously for the sake of the community and, and having the traffic and the audience, but the advertisers want to be seen on the leading site. And that's an important part. I, I, you know, it's the concept of preeminence, which I, I talked about in um, my other coaching program quite a lot, where you do get to do things like charge more for advertising and get the lion's share of the advertising budgets just because you are the, the main player in the space. Even if they're not getting a ton of clicks, the advertiser wants to be in the head, the conversation that the, the BMX user has when they think about going to buy something. And they will remember seeing the logos and the banners on your site. And I, it's, it's funny, yeah. you're triggering my memory because I did this with my, my very first website, actually, my Magic the Gathering website. And same model, we, we covered 
card game news, we had a forum, and we had paying advertisers. And I knew for a lot of them, it's, they just want to be where the community was. That's the most important thing. And that's probably the case for you too, right? Oh, no question about it. Yeah, it is. And uh, and one of the other things that we've done in this, you know, kind of uh, in the to build up that value, because again, our advertisers, you know, they're mom and pop companies, so we really have to prove, you know, value to them on an ongoing basis. Um, and so one of the other things that we've done aside from that is that every um, so the way that BMX racing is structured is that there are teams, and so each of our advertisers has riders who ride their jersey or their apparel, what have you, and so at the the end of each race, I go through my photo set and I tag every single one of our advertisers in my photo set uh, in Adobe Lightroom, and I export out a dedicated photo archive for each of those advertisers, and I put together a list of all the names of each advertiser, and then upload those images to our FTP site, and on Monday morning or Tuesday morning, send out a dedicated uh, archive for each advertiser so they can pull down their images, you know, as, as you know, on an easy basis. They don't have to wade through 600 images. It's all delivered for you as part of that, that program. It's not an additional charge. That's just part of the service. Wow, that, that's a real value add. That's fantastic. And you could tag the names of the writers in Facebook and things like that too, right? Yep, yep, you absolutely could. And uh, and so what they do, for, you know, what they do with that then is they'll take those images and they will put them up on Facebook. They'll use them on Twitter and put them on their own websites. Um they'll tag them and stuff and our logo still remains on there. The other thing that uh, that that also includes is um high resolution images. So if they want to use those in print ads or um trade show displays or things like that. Now, granted, it's it's sort of an unorthodox uh way as, as a photographer it's a kind of an unorthodox way to treat my images because I definitely have gotten flack before for for you know diluting um, you know ma- you know making it too cheap for you know for people um, but you know again it's this is you know this is where we are today and, yeah. and so people don't like to pay for images and we're not we're no longer in a day and age where people will pay five six seven hundred or a thousand dollars for an image um, so you know we. we you might as well just, you know, accept that and, and just make it work for you, which I have. Yeah, and you're a perfect example. You, you've created a, a platform where your photographs help you to make money, not directly, but indirectly. They're part of the whole process. So it's, you know, it's a great example for anyone who's a creative that, you know, you do need to own some sort of asset now that's around the community that the community wants to participate in that has some sort of commercialization aspect, whether it's selling products or selling advertising or both. And uh, yeah, I don't think the media is how you make the money anymore. There's a, it's, it's how you get the attention and how you participate in the community. It's up to you then to find clever ways to, to make money from all of this. And you know, obviously you're doing a great job with these relationships with advertisers. So, uh, Mike, I'd like to know where are you going next with this? Though? Like, how, obviously, it's a, a fairly small niche by the, the way you talk about it. Is there room for you to grow, and what are your plans? I think there is room for us to grow, and, and there's room for us to grow by the sport growing. So um, we do have, you know, we've, we've gotten a little bit of a bump. When I say we, we, I mean the sport of BMX racing as a whole have gotten a, a nice bump 
were a little bit of a bump off the Olympics, you know, and being a part of the Olympics. Although the the type of racing that occurs at the Olympics is much different, more extreme than the kind of racing that will happen at your local track. Um, but as as BMX racing, you know, rises, then that tide will lift all boats. And so one of the things that we're going to do this summer is to develop a beginner uh, BMX Racing 101 uh, microsite that will be a separate website and it will cater exclusively to getting into the sport. Here's how to get into it. Now, um, the sanctioning body who, who is the governing body of BMX racing in North America, USA BMX, they do a great job of that as well. But I think that this is one of those uh, times or one of those uh, aspects that, you know, as a chorus of people need to come to the table and, and, and offer that content. Awesome. Yeah, at least there's a future there. Now, just before I wrap up, Mike, I'm sort of curious to see how you technically set this up, like the actual picture of how your company runs. It, it, you are one, mostly one person show at the moment, right? Or do you have, Yeah. do you do the technology? Like these, these, these sites, are they, are they WordPress with a forum plugin or what are they running on? Yeah, so the so as far as the structure, I you know I'm here in Chicago, and I and I sort of uh, the the ringmaster, if you will. Uh, I do have contributors, uh, guest blog posters, um, people who you know go out and cover events for me on you know on occasion, um, and so you know I probably have um, four or five contributors at this time, uh, and then on the forum site, I have three amazing uh, moderators who help and keep the community in line um, because it, uh, it, I mean, it's good now, but it, it de- definitely at first had the tendency to cascade off the rails sometimes, people just running into a room and yelling fire kind of thing. Um, and so uh, we have, you know, volunteer ad- ad moderators on the forum site. Um, and so on the forum side, the finishbmx.com site is run off of um, Envision Powerboard. And uh, I've found that that is the best forum for what I like to do. Um, obviously, PHPBB is out there too, but um, Envision is a commercial product that uh, is supported by a operating business. So um, things like support and and updates and stuff is you know it happens very quickly and very very solid. Um, and Vintage, I mean uh, rather BMX News is on WordPress, and. Uh, we're developing, as I said, a new design for the for the interface this summer, and uh, so it'll stay on WordPress, but just with more modern, you know, uh, hooks to the to the social media and video and stuff like that. I'm, I'm glad to hear blogging is a part of this after you took my course in, in some way, if, if you're just using WordPress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but there's. What, if, if nothing else to the listener, what I'd like to, to kind of push for, forth on that is that blog mastermind, yes, it, it, you know, it may not be strictly blogging, but there are, you know, the, the, the discipline of writing every day, posting every day, um, the publicity that you, you, know, you outlined in, in the course, and th- all the stuff that, you've, that you spent the time to develop in the course is, is you know, dead on important and super applicable to, you know, to anybody who's running any sort of an ongoing business. Yes, you may have to adapt that to your own, you know, to your own ends, but, you know, it's, there's great, there's great content and great uh, lessons in there for sure. I guess if you're running a content site, it doesn't matter whether it's a blog or a news site, like your site, you might call it a, new, a blog magazine with BMX News. And yeah. um, you've got contributors. I, I did want to ask, were any of those people you mentioned paid? Or are they all on a volunteer basis? 
No, our contributors. Um, some are some are paid, and you know, some are are, are just volunteer contributors. Other, like if 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 I send someone out to cover, you know, they have to get on an airplane and go and cover a race. You know, take pictures and 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 uh, actually be responsible for posting those images by a certain time each night. You know, any the, with the level of responsibility comes you know comes the pay. So um, you know, if, if you're just wanting to send in you know send in an article every once in a while, that's awesome, and we'll definitely make you part of the masthead and uh, and then when those jobs that are paying come about i know that i can turn to those specific people to you know to to execute those those assignments mm, fantastic yeah so you're basically running a, a magazine like you always wanted to or a, a blog magazine what i would call it nowadays but they're they are the new version of the magazine aren't they you're you publish yeah, regular content but, you're doing coverage you've got a team of contributors but mostly you're in charge and you've build the community around that and then make money testing different ways. That's kind of like the, the nutshell story, right? Yeah, it is sort of the nutshell story. Absolutely. And uh, I, you know, as far as what's next, the other, just to, to, you know, piggyback on that a little bit, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly, which is the exciting part. I mean, I, I really, um, you know, it's nice to have the strategy of what's next and stuff. And that's why, again, we are doing those site redesigns and we're, we're, we're adding in a, additional engagement points for users, you know, whether it's merchandising or we have a new feature, which, well, I will also spin off as to as a separate non-BMX type of website next year um, called Phototorial, and it is a, uh, a way to create um, more editorial-specific photo slideshows. Um, you know, the slideshows that you have in, in WordPress now are just a photo with a little strip of a caption. Um, it's not quite enough, so a Phototorial will be a much more robust um, you know, presentation for that, so mm. it's exciting. Awesome. All right, Mike, last question for you, and this is really for our listeners. There's going to be people hearing this story who are thinking, well, I love, you know, uh, let's say sailing, or, or I love uh, some sort of, you know, wood carvings, or, you know, there's or maybe another competitive sport, but it's not the big sport, it's um, curling. <laughs> Good old curling, curling is always used. Yeah, <laughs> curling is, is the universal, I love curling. <laughs> universal example of that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's any forum communities out there about curling, like like BMX has. But there must be. You have to think it's a pretty big sport. <laughs> but I'm anyway, sure they make millions. I'm sure they make millions. <laughs> who knows? But whatever the case is, there's people listening who have these passions, and I think for me, listening to your story, okay, it's not a multi-million dollar company. Maybe it'll get there, maybe it won't. But the important part is you are really immersed in the subject that you've cared about for most of your life now and making a living from it. You get to do everything around it, explore ideas just around this subject. So for a lot of people, that's more important than, than getting tons of money doing something they don't care about. If you can do both, I'm curious to hear your advice for that person who's thinking, okay, I love this subject. I want to have a, a site, a community, a forum, a news site with content writers, and I want to make enough money. I want to make that eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a year from this business. And they're thinking, like, maybe I could buy one, like Mike's done, or I'd start one from scratch. But whatever the case is, it's two thousand and fourteen, so they're going to have to do different things to maybe what you did in two thousand and seven. What would you say to someone who's either one going to start something from scratch or considering buying? What's the most important things they have to get right in order to reach the point where you are? Well, if they have the luxury of being able to buy an existing site that has traffic already and a reputation in the community, then hands down, that's the preferable path. Um, and still, then there's a lot that has to go into doing you know, the right things beyond that. But, but as far as starting from scratch... 
you know, you just have to totally dive in and be at the events. Like, so, you know, if you were starting a sailing website, you would need to be at those sailing events and you'd need to be hobnobbing with those people that, that are, that are the movers and shakers of the industry. I had a little bit of a leg up because I was uh, known from my, you know, from the tw- my career early 20 years, 25 years ago. So my name was still out there as someone who was, you know, a media person from back then. But, um, you know, if you come in, you know, totally cold, like you're, you're a total unknown, you're, to- you're starting it totally from scratch, you know, you're going to have to have a lot of patience and a lot of pres- you know, perseverance to push through the setbacks. And there's going to be, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Zig Ziglar. And there was a time where a story he told that talked about uh, a specific type of tree where they, they have to water it and water it and water it and water it for years and years on end. And then no, no, uh, sign of life whatsoever but then one day boom it pushes through the soil and then it just it it grows 12 feet or something like that in in a small amount of time and that's that's a great uh analogy to how this should you know this would probably work for someone like that because they have to put a time on the calendar that says i'm going to dedicate two or three years to this and then i'm going to get up every day and i'm going to just run at it as fast and as hard as i can and if you can't do that um then that's fine but you just need to have a more of a patience for the your your extended timeline do you think there's anything current that's really really important in the sense that you should be spending a lot of time on facebook now and obviously each subject matter is probably different where the community hangs out but especially for today, you know, if you want to make the right choices and not spend time doing the, the things that won't work, do you, do you see any areas that accelerate the results now that you should focus on? Any platforms well, or techniques? You know, here's the thing with Facebook is that it, we, it's, it's kind of come full circle in the sense that, you know, for a little while, you know, it was, it was coming up in the world and then it, it started, you know, you started to build these big fan bases and then, you know, they throttled back on the reach. And so now, you know, you don't really, if you have, you know, 20,000 Facebook followers or whatever, you're not going to, or fans, you're not going to get the reach that you used to get. So you have to, you have to spend money on boosting, on boosting posts mm. if you really want that out there. And so, um, so do you think you maybe know, again, it's, maybe having a blog and actually writing or a magazine or is the best first step then like controlling your content and spending your time there and then just seeing which of the external platforms end up working best for you yes and also you know just taking a lesson from blog mastermind again um the publicity module that you had in there of guest posting and reaching out to media and things of that nature where um you know you can some and this is you know this is no secret but just the ability to to become an authority on you know yacht racing or curling or bmx racing or what have what have you um you know uh, to start to make some of those inroads into you know Growing the links and, and growing your ability to to reach out to a you know mm-hmm. to a broader audience um, because the community sites are great but with one of the things that I have found and actually implemented is that um, you know I, I don't allow other websites to come on my forum and try and suck off traffic and I and I assume that there's you know that's the that's the way that a lot of other forum masters do it right well I mean possibly uh, like did you. Did you when you when you ran your forum? Did you did you run it that way? You mean go to other forums or stop other forums? Stop other forums, like stop other people from saying, "Hey, I just started this new website and come come check it out." Right, uh, you know, like you, that when I run forums, there were such small niches. There just wasn't a lot of 
people trying to compete, you know, they, they, that way. Um, magic, definitely not. I had that. <laughs> there wasn't no other Australian sites. And that was very early days. And with miniature motorcycles, you know what? There might have been, but I didn't moderate it. I, I, I wasn't, I, it was really a passive investment sort of site for me. So the moderators were looking at that. And I don't know, maybe they were having other sites trying to take some of the traffic away. Um, and, you know, I, I think, if you're contributing to one community and linking to your own site, that's okay as long as you're there to contribute to the community. But if you're just saying, you know, come visit my site, that's just spamming, like comment spamming, right? So, yeah. you know, that, yeah, that's yeah, not, exactly. that shouldn't be allowed. But yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm definitely in line, uh, first in line to take the new version if you come out with it. Um, I think it's going to be amazing. And, uh, and all the new, the new techniques and the new trends and content that you're going to be coming up with. So yeah. you're doing it, right? But yeah, I am. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I keep, there's so many different ways to run a business. So I like hearing a story like yours. You know, maybe it's not the quickest way. Well, it is a quick way if you can find a community you can buy. That's probably the quickest way ever to have something up yeah. and running. But then, you know, the starting it from scratch can take a long time to build community. And sometimes it's just quicker to go and, you know, find a product you can sell straight away. But there's all kinds of different ways to skin a cat. And that's what this podcast is about is, is hearing the different sorts of stories. And I shouldn't talk about cats. There's a cat staring at me right now. That was the wrong analogy. <laughs> so, um, but Mike, we I got to wrap up because we've got more interviews to get to. So um, I want to thank you for coming on my show and, and telling your story. What are the sites that people can check out to, especially if they're interested in BMX? For sure, they want to check out what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, and and especially you know, especially uh, in Australia, like you are, um, we have two of the top champions. Um, Sam Willoughby is from Adelaide, and he is the Olympic silver medalist from London. Uh, and Caroline Buchanan is the uh, the current world champion for the women. She's from Canberra. So, um, BMXNews.com. And uh, also vintagebmx.com, and, and and vintage BMX is a forum site that covers freestyle and racing and, and pretty much everything to do with BMX of any era. So uh, if you were if you were a BMX rider in the '80s or the '70s, definitely stop by because there's going to be a lot of great stuff up there for you. Yeah, and check out Mike's sites too, just to see how he's running his community, how, where the ads are, uh, how, you know how things run. So if you want to set up your own community-based site, and make a living from it, this is one of the examples you can follow so mike thank you yeah i'd like to thank you and uh and keep up the great work with the podcast and all the courses so i'll be definitely watching and listening more great appreciate it mike uh, good luck with the growth of the bmx network as well uh, and uh yeah thank you and to all the listeners thanks for listening in guys to this point in the interview uh this has been another entrepreneur's journey podcast uh my name is yarrow you can find the show notes and all my other episodes as well as all my blog content just by googling my name which is yarrow y-a-r-o thanks again and i'll talk to you again on a future episode goodbye goodbye